All right, folks, we are doing it again. This is part two of Ask Me Anything. If you remember, a few weeks ago, we did part one. And at the time, I didn't know it was going to be part one, but I got to talking and you got to asking and I got to talking some more. And uh, things started getting a little long. So we are just going to continue with part two of Ask Me Anything. Um, part one got some great feedback. So I got even more questions, um, specifically on an Instagram post when I was talking about part one. So here we go. Ever wonder how some people seem to get all the media coverage, but you don't? Go behind the scenes with a TV reporter, national on-air host, and news contributor who has interviewed celebrities, took you inside the Versace mansion, and even stood on a chair to interview basketball legend Alonzo Mourning. Get ready, because Become a Media Maven is the podcast where Christina Nicholson is sharing secrets from her years in front of the camera, in the editing booth, and now behind the podcast mic. Okay, Albie Davidson has a few questions. Um, He says, I actually have a ton of questions about PR. Complete newbie. One, how do you go about brainstorming something newsworthy? Okay, Albie, a couple of things. One, look at what is already happening. What are people already talking about in the news? For example, um, I don't know what you do, but um, I remember years ago when I was a reporter at NBC6, I interviewed a local doctor about heroin addiction, and I did that because a celebrity died from a heroin overdose. So if something is happening in your niche, and people are already talking about it, then you can jump on it with a new angle. Another example is if you're an attorney and you deal with wills and trusts. Prince died, he didn't have a will. Everybody was talking about that. Aretha Franklin died, she didn't have a will. Everybody was talking about, well, what happens? And where does her stuff go? And how do you just not have a will? So look at what's already happening that's newsworthy and see if you can provide a new, unique angle to what's being talked about. I know I have a contact at CNN who was all about the college admission scandal. So if you do anything that has to relate to higher education, come up with a new angle. People are already talking about the topic, so just come up with a new, different angle. So that's one way you can find something newsworthy. And the other way is to look at timeliness, not just with what is already in the news, but look at um, what's happening. So for example, back to school. Do you have a business or a brand, a service or a product that is great for back to school time? Um, If it is Christmas time, like I know with a couple of my clients, they're very product focused, like it is their freaking holiday, let me tell you. It is all about getting in the gift guides. And that happens from literally August until December is gift guides. So if you're a product, then the end of the year is going to be your jam. If you're into health and fitness, the beginning of the year is going to be your jam. I know I pitched Amy Porterfield for something to CNN in May, and the angle that we used was um, a college graduate or a high school graduate going into college angle because it was May time. Um, But they actually had a free spot the Friday before Mother's Day. And they're like, okay, well, we like the story. We like the angle, but let's tweak it. And instead of making it relevant for high school grads going into college, let's make it relevant for mothers who can make money from home because Mother's Day is coming up. So we'll do a Mother's Day angle. So think of timeliness like that. 
And then I guess lastly, I would say, don't think about yourself. Don't think about your service. Don't think about your business. Don't think about your product. Think about their audience. Who is their audience? So an example would be with that Amy Porterfield case, um, the people watching that station were moms. So we were talking to moms specifically. So think of their audience. Why will their audience care? Don't think about promoting yourself or your business because that's not newsworthy. Think about what their audience is going to care about. Okay, Albie, you also ask, how do you make those first media contacts? This is a tricky one because just like in any business, relationships are key. Relationships matter. But some of the biggest media hits that I've gotten for clients have not been because of relationships. Um, Yes, you can go the email route, but just know you are one of hundreds, if not thousands, in the inbox. So for media contacts, I say go to LinkedIn and go to Twitter. LinkedIn, just because it's a professional platform and lots of people are on there. However, people who work full-time jobs really use LinkedIn as like a resume when they're looking for a job. They don't use LinkedIn as maybe a business owner would. But let me tell you, all of the journalists are on Twitter. And journalists are more likely to pay attention to a notification from a tweet than they are an email in their inbox. So I would say build relationships with journalists on Twitter. Twitter has that lovely little search bar at the top where it makes it easy for you to find exactly who you're looking for. And number three, how do you go about pitching your article idea to them in a way that doesn't make them dismiss you offhand? Um, One, don't send a press release. Press releases are very 1990 and they don't work anymore. They're long and they're boring and they're very promotional. So instead, keep it short, sweet, and to the point. This is my story. This is why your audience should care. And this is how you can contact me. Um, I would follow up with that. Following up is big. Most of what you're going to get is going to be on the follow-up. So follow up at least three or four times. After a month, your story idea should not be timely anymore. It should be irrelevant. If you don't give the media a reason to do the story right now, then they're going to pass it over. So you want to make sure that when you're pitching something, if it's not going to be relevant in a month, that means it's good. If you could pitch it anytime, then it's going to be put on the back burner and they'll probably get to it later, aka they'll forget about it. So definitely follow up, definitely make it timely. And um, if it doesn't work after a month, then just go back to the drawing board. Um, But short, sweet, and to the point is going to help. And then something else that I also add in pitches is um, just a little line that says, let me know if there's anything I can do to increase chances of coverage. Many times people will say, oh yeah, this is great. I just don't have time to do the story. So will you write an article for me? And you should jump up and down and say, yes, yes, I will. We do that many times for clients. For them to get the media coverage, we have to actually put it together because journalists are very overworked and underpaid. So you have to be willing to give them everything on a silver platter. um, And you have to let them know that you are willing to do that and that will increase your chances. Another thing that will increase your chances is if you actually share the content. We had a situation on the agency side recently where we were pitching a client who was always um, in in certain roundups. And um, a roundup, just to give you an idea, is like top 10 places to do this. And, you know, they list the 10. That's a roundup. And he actually told us that he was not doing them anymore because those top 10 places were not going on their social media and sharing the story. So if you tell a journalist, which is a big mistake, if you do my pitch publicity profit class, you know that you have to be sharing the media hits. You don't just get it and do nothing. Um, so 
if you tell a journalist that you are going to share the story with your network, your social media, like you are going to drive people to their content, that will also increase your chances. Okay, Carlos asks me, what's your all-time favorite color and why? I love this question, Carlos. I think it's red. It'll have to be red. Have you seen the cover art for my podcast? It's pretty red. Katrina Gonzalez asks, how to keep a consistent wait list of clients for guaranteed income? Um, Okay, I remember this question, Katrina, and I was like, why do you have to have a wait list of clients? Why don't you just bring them on as clients? And I think you ask like lead generation, like how to get more clients. Um, For me, I practice what I preach and it makes the sales process a whole lot easier. So if I'm talking about I can get you in the media, I get myself in the media, I promote myself being in the media, and then people reach out to me and they're like, hey, I want that. How do I do that? And I'm like, oh, funny, you should ask. This is actually what I do for a living. And you can pay me to teach you how to do it. You can pay me to do it for you. Either way, here are your options. Um, So you always have to have leads coming in. You have to have leads coming in. That's step one. Step two is converting those leads. So you have to be able to talk to them in the way where they see the light. And it honestly just depends on who your audience is. I find that um, for me in my business, I have an agency where I work with business owners who have a marketing budget. And then I have a media mentoring program where I work with solopreneurs who maybe they don't budget at all because they're afraid to spend money on their business because it's so new. It's so much easier for me to sell something to a client for my agency that's $3,000 a month than it is for me to sell something to a blogger that's $300 a month. And that is just because of one thing and one thing only, and it actually has nothing to do with budget. It has to do with money mindset. Because if you're trying to build a business and you can't budget $300 a month, then you're going to be in trouble and you're going to have some problems building a business if you can't figure out a way to invest $300 a month. Um, I think I get into this in another podcast episode where I point out the amount of money people spend on college loans to get a job that pays them nothing. And that's, you know, if you get a job after you graduate from college and then you spend your whole life paying back college loans until you retire. So it's definitely a money mindset thing. Um, And you just have to learn how to talk to those people. You know, like for me on the agency side, it's this is your ROI. If you hire me and my team, this is what we give you. This is what happens after. When I am talking to people about my media mentoring program, which honestly I don't do a lot of anymore. I mean, I still have it. I still sell it. I just don't go into conversation about it because one, it's not a lot of money. It honestly, in the big scheme of things, it's not. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to convince you to spend $300 a month on something. But if I am going to have that conversation, it's it's very much more of a mindset conversation and it's more of a psychological conversation. And, you know, people, they just ask very different questions when it comes to being afraid to spend $300 a month versus spending $3,000 a month. So one, you need leads and two, you need to convert those leads. So how do you get your leads? I don't know what you do, Katrina, but it could be um, you practicing what you preach If you are business to business, I always think that's the best way to go. Um, And then just knowing how to talk to those people, like what will get them to open up their wallets, you know, like 
We've all heard ask, ask people what they want. Well, yeah, you can ask them and they can tell you, but until they actually pay for it, um, they're not telling you anything. You know, like I could tell you, oh yeah, I love a Lexus, I love a BMW, I love a Mercedes, but until I'm actually opening up my wallet and buying one of them, it doesn't mean anything. So one, get the leads, two, convert those leads into sales, and then three, deliver damn good service because that's how you're going to get the referrals. That's how you're going to build a good reputation. If you're terrible, word is going to get out and that's going to hurt you getting the leads and converting the leads into sales. Okay. And then you also asked me, Katrina, what mic I use. I use whatever Pat Flynn tells me to use because I used, uh, I was in his Power Up podcasting course. Let me see. Let me read it. It is Audio Technology ATR 2100. This puppy was ordered off of Amazon, just like everything else in my life. Okay, so we have some Instagram questions. At Cruise Central Music asks, what motivates you to do your daily routine? Well, Cruise Central Music, so many things. The main thing is that I want to do whatever I want, whenever I want. And I don't want somebody else telling me how to live my life. And unfortunately, when you have a job and you have a boss, they literally dictate how you live your life. They tell you when you can and cannot go on vacation. They tell you how much money you're going to make. Even if you bust your ass and go above and beyond, you're probably not going to make very much more. Maybe you'll get a $2,000 raise at the end of the year, which, what does that equal out to? After taxes and after... It's split up over the year. Like, what are you getting? A hundred bucks a month? I didn't like that. I want to be able to come and go as I please. If my child gets sick from school, I want to go pick them up from school and not get an attitude problem from my boss because I have a sick child. Um, If I want to go visit family in Columbus, I don't want to make sure that nobody else in the office is on vacation that week so I can go. I remember working in TV news, we have this thing called sweeps, and it's basically four months, I think it's four months, maybe three months, it's been a while, out of the year where like they really go hardcore on ratings and you're not allowed to take time off. I missed so many friends' weddings, I missed like the births of friends' children because I couldn't get off work because I had to be working for the ratings. Um, And when you work a job with a boss, and you have a good work ethic, like if you have a bad work ethic, totally stay in your job. Take your bad work ethic to work every day, phone it in, and get paid. Um, I saw people do this, and they got the exact same thing I did with a good work ethic. So if you have a bad work ethic, and you got a job you don't mind, then keep on keeping on. But if you have a good work ethic, you are wasting it working all day every day to make somebody else money. Like, look at how much your boss makes. Look at how much your boss's boss makes. Look at how much your boss's boss's boss makes. They're making that money off of you and your good work ethic. Just think, if you spent that time and energy towards something of your own, and you actually got to keep the money, and you got to make your own hours, and you got to work from where you want, when you want, wearing whatever you want, not spending two hours a day commuting or getting ready for work or going to you know, stupid work events that you don't really want to go to and being forced to have terrible health insurance. But because it's health insurance, you think it's a benefit, but really it's not a benefit because it's terrible. So yeah, 
I, does that answer your question? What motivates me to do my daily routine? <laughs> and I don't really have a daily routine too, I should add. Um, when you have two kids and a third on the way, I mean, it's all up in the air. But that's the joy of being your own boss. You can do whatever you want every day. Um, Justin Seymour asks me, what's your favorite music or artist? What's your favorite song? What's your favorite movie? Okay, honestly, like anything 90s, Justin Seymour. Um, Music, I like like um, country pop. Like I am a total basic bitch. Let's keep it real. So like Carrie Underwood is my jam. Kelly Clarkson is my jam. Luke Bryan. I like country pop. I also just like pop in general, you know? Britney Spears, Mariah Carey, Beyonce. Um, Song. I don't know if I could pick like a song. Um, Yeah, it's hard to just pick a song. Movie. I love love Titanic. Love me some Leo. Like anything 90s, right? Like those 90 teeny bopper movies were amazing. Um, You know, like um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days or 10 Things I Hate About You. Um you know, like Say by the Bell and 90210. Those are my jams, man. Total 90s girl. Um, Lifestyles by Lacey Garcia. She is, I know you, Lacey. You are a South Florida girl. What was the path that led to you doing a TEDx talk? Um, that was, honestly, it came about from a LinkedIn connection. I connected with somebody on LinkedIn. Hi, Cindy. Shout out, Cindy. Um, and we connected because we do similar things and we both live in South Florida. She's in PR. I'm in PR. We both live in South Florida and she volunteers every year, does an amazing job putting together, um, the TEDx Boca Raton event. And she was like, you should do a TEDx talk, you know, because you're always, you know, talking about media and the media industry. And this is people, this is a testament to practicing what you preach and sharing it on social. If I did not post on social every day about my expertise and what I do and what I'm doing for clients and just share relevant information with my audience, she would have never approached me um, and made the introduction to the person who who put those TEDx um, speakers together. Um, but just like everybody else, I needed to submit an application. I just knew them and they told me to submit an application. So they had their eye out for it. And this was all based on me connecting with people on LinkedIn and me posting relevant things as to my expertise and what I did all day, every day. Um, but I will say in talking to them about the applications, they were um, amazed at how terrible some of them were. And I'll tell you why. Some people didn't just like read the instructions. Like I remember the year I did it, it was um, last year and the topic was innovation and like being innovative. And some people were submitting things that had absolutely nothing to do with innovation. And then you had the spelling errors and you had people just lazily filling out an application. So I know with a lot of things, like even if you know somebody, you still have to apply. I have many people asking me if I can help them get on Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income because I have a, a good relationship with Pat. I've been on a couple of times. And like, yeah, I can tell him you applied, but you still have to apply. Like you have to go on his website. You have to fill out a form. His team will go over it. So um, you definitely have to apply. Make sure you're like reading the questions and you know the topic and you are you actually like care about these responses and you're actually trying to get the TEDx talk. But also, hey, head to LinkedIn and do a, do a search on TEDx in South Florida and see who the right person is to connect with and connect with them and let them know, hey, heads up, I applied for a TEDx talk. This is my name. 
and uh, just keep your eye out for it. Okay, another Instagram question from, oh, I don't know this name, Fatin Rai Han, maybe? Do you have any helpers in handling your work and your kids and also not forgetting the house chores? Yes, I do. I mean, I don't know if you would call my husband a helper with the kids because I feel like my mom said this to me last night. She was like, you're so lucky you have a husband who helps you with the kids. And I'm like, what do you mean helps me? They're his kids. Like, do people ever say that to moms? Like, oh, how nice of you to help with your own kids. It's not help. It's like being a parent. Hello, people. It is 2019. It is not 1950. If our husbands are taking care of our children, it's because they're being fathers. They're not helping. So that's one. (laughs) But yes, he's very handy. He's very helpful, I guess you could say. No, but honest to God, his, his dream job, if you want to call it in life, would be to be a stay at home dad. He would love to be a stay at home dad and coach all the sporting events. And he's, he cooks too. Um, he cooks dinner every night. I'm not a cook. I try. It's not pretty. He would rather me not even try. He's told me that many times. So fine. I'll stop trying. Easy for me. Um, and he wants to do like yard work all day. So yeah, I'd say he's pretty helpful if you want to use that word. Um, My work, yes, I have slowly started to build a team. And I will say this was the hardest part about me building my business because I think when you start out, it's your business, it's your brand, it's your name, it's your reputation. And you're so scared of somebody coming in and like messing it up or I don't want to say messing it up. That doesn't sound nice. But, you know, just like you have trust issues because you've already built this business and you have clients and you're making money. And that's the other thing. When you bring people on to help you, you got to pay them. So you're going to lose a little bit of money. But again, going back to money mindset and the question that I answered earlier, um, you have to spend a little bit money to make money. (laughs) I mean, these big businesses that are making millions and billions, they're not a person of one. They have a team. So um, I do have a team of people who help me with my business. And as I get ready to have my third child, I am very grateful for that. Um, I was, before I built my team, I was working probably 12, 14 hours a day. I was miserable. I was a bitch to be around. I'm going to keep it real. Um, just because I was always stressed. I wanted to over deliver and my income was very up and down month to month. Like I would have an $11,000 month and then I'd have a $1,000 month and it would be very stressful. Um, but when you build a team, and you have different systems and practices in place, um, yes, your expenses do go up, but so does your income. Your expenses will go up first, but if you trust the process, your income will follow. And this is where I credit my business coaches. Um, I'm on my third one. First two were amazing. Don't think I'm on my third one because the first two weren't. Um, It's just, uh, why am I on my third one? Well, you need one at one point for one reason, and then you move on to the next, you know? There's a season for everything, right? That's what people say. So that is how I built my team. So now I have a team of seven, eight, if you include me, and I would not have it any other way. I didn't start my business to get rich. I started my business to have a, a lifestyle change. I wanted to do what I wanted when I wanted If I want to go to the movies in the middle of the day, I want to be able to do it and not stress. And having a team allows me to do that. So I have seven helpers in handling my work. The house chores. Okay, well, I told you my husband cooks. 
I have a little OCD problem. I like things to be neat, but I don't like to clean. So I try to keep things organized as best as I can with a seven-year-old and five-year-old at home. Um, But I do have a cleaning service come in every probably month and a half. Because again, I'm not that dirty. I know people do it like every two weeks, but we're not that messy. So every month and a half, I have a cleaning service come over. Two ladies, they come for probably about three hours and they clean the house and it makes me happy. It's like the best feeling, a clean house with a candle lit. So yes. Um, and again, these are my priorities, right? Like I, I'm i not a big spender. Um, yes, I like to have money because I do believe, I don't believe money buys happiness, but I do believe that money can pay for everything that would make you happy. I guess that means money buys happiness. Um, let me see how I can word this differently so it sounds a little better. <laughs> I mean, think about what would make you happy. Money touches almost all of it. Like, let's keep it real. Um, So I want to be free to come and go as I please. And I don't want to stress. And unfortunately, in this country of the United States of America, that is what money allows you to do. I mean, think of anything. Like, what would make you happy? What's the one thing you want? You kind of need money to buy it. You know, even people say, oh, I just want to be healthy. Well, hello. In the United States, if you want good health care, you got to have money. Like, it just is what it is. Um, So my priority isn't money for, like, a fancy car or fancy shoes or a fancy bag. Like, if you know me, I don't leave my house. I like to stay home. (laughs) Um, I've got enough shoes and pretty dresses from working in TV that if I need to go out and look good, I'm, I'm set. Um, for me, my money is just to not stress and just to do what I want. If I don't want to make myself lunch one day and I want to go eat at a restaurant by myself, I can do it and I don't have to worry about budgeting for things like that. Um, so that's what my money's for. I don't, I definitely save more than I pay myself and that's just because I don't need to pay myself a lot. So when it comes to, um, your question about, helpers and work with kids and the chores and all of that. Yes, because that's where I want to put my money. I want to put my money in other people doing things that I don't want to do so I can take a few hours a day to read a book or take a few hours a day to, I don't know, talk to you on a podcast, for example. Um, Okay, you asked about helpers for kids. I didn't answer that one. My seven-year-old's in school. She's in second grade. My five-year-old is in VPK which I just learned is like a Florida name for pre-kindergarten. Um, and then this next one will probably stay home with me. It's the fir- for a little bit. Um, this is the first time I'm having a child without having a full-time job. I worked at NBC when I had my first two. So when they were literally nine, ten weeks old, they went to daycare, and I went back to work. Um, bring out all the mom shamers for putting my kids in daycare. Honestly, I loved it, and they loved it. They love daycare. Um And they're very social, normal children, so it didn't scar them too bad. Um, But this next one will also be going to daycare when he can socialize. I don't want, like, the first time my kid hangs out with other people to be when he's off to kindergarten. Um, So I think around, like, two-ish, maybe one and a half, two-ish, he will be going to daycare to learn and, you know, all those things. Because my kids loved it, and they got so much education. They were very smart. Okay. Last questions, all from Jessica Terzakis. Jessica, I know. Fun fact, she's been on the podcast before, y'all. So if you want to know more about Jessica, 
then make your way back to podcast episode number 29, what to do before you create an online course. And you can hear more about Jessica. Um, She has a few questions for me. And then we are going to wrap up part two of Ask Me Anything. What are your thoughts on business mentors? I know you work with Pat Flynn. Are there others? Do you have limits to how many voices you listen to and how do you get the most, how did you get the most of your experience with Pat? Okay. Business mentors, yes, 100%. Because if you don't have one, you are doing um, a lot of trial and error. And if you like that sort of thing, then fine, do it all on your own. If you don't, (laughs) then just pay somebody for the shortcut. That's what you're doing with a business mentor. You're paying somebody for the shortcut. I know people have paid for coaches and they've had bad experiences. I have not because I have done my homework, people. I look at, does my coach know what the hell they're talking about? Like, if I'm going to hire a business coach, I want to know what you do. I want to know how much money you make. I want to know who you work with. And I want to know how much money they make. And then I want to know, what is your retention rate? After those people work with you, do they actually stay with you and work with you longer? Um, And for that reason, I have never hired a bad business coach. I worked with a variety for a variety of reasons. So I met Jessica actually through Suzanne Evans, who was my first business coach. And with Suzanne, uh, she changed my money mindset because um, she was $15,000 for the year. And like many people listening, I thought, oh, I can't afford that. And I thought I couldn't afford it just because I didn't have $15,000 sitting in the bank. But when I bought my car, I also didn't have that money sitting in the bank. When I bought my house, I also didn't have that money sitting in the bank. I was making an investment, and then I was making payments to pay it off. And because I did every single thing that I was told to do in that coaching program, I paid off that investment in six months when I was expecting it to take me a year. And then when I moved on to Pat Flynn, I could pay him over $20,000 all at once because I had the money. Now I'm working with Jason Swank, who helps me on the agency side of things. So to answer your question on how many voices I listen to, I definitely would not get two business coaches who are niched in the same thing at the same time, because then you'll be confused for sure. So Suzanne was the first one. She taught me a lot about sales and just growing a business in general. She was my first business coach, and I didn't know anything about business. I knew how to service clients and do what I do, but as far as like admin and building a business, she helped me do that. I started working with Pat Flynn for two reasons, three reasons. One, he's terrific. If you know Pat from the Smart Passive Income podcast, he's just amazing, and just being in his presence is worth the money. Two, I have an online course, the Media Mentoring Program. Um, It has a VIP component with it that comes with mentoring and coaching, and if I'm going to learn anything about online business... Pat Flynn is the person to learn it from. Plus, I wanted to start a podcast. And if you're going to learn anything about starting a podcast, Pat Flynn is the person to learn it from. So for where I wanted to go in my business and what vertical I wanted to grow, he was perfect. Um, And then three, it was a mastermind program with about 12 other people. And the people, I mean, I didn't know it at the time, but I would assume that the people that he would choose to be in the SPI Accelerator were going to be freaking amazing, and they were. I made so many amazing connections with people um, and business owners, and I didn't just learn from Pat, but I learned from them. Like, I could have hired anybody else in that mastermind as a coach and still increased the revenue in my business because of their expertise. So that was amazing. 
Um, and then Jason Swank was for the agency side, Jessica. So I have the PR agency where I have my team who helps me, where I work with, you know, those bigger business owners who have a marketing budget. And he is an expert at growing agencies, marketing agencies specifically. So I knew that working with Jason and Pat would not overlap because we're I have multiple streams of revenue. One is the online part of my business. The other is the agency part. So we're talking about completely different things with each other. Um, and Jason helps me with the agency. So um, I think that answers all of your questions. Um, and again, to get the most out of the experience, it's not just from the person, but it's also from the people in the group. Um, and then it's not being afraid to ask for things. Um, like ask, you know, like Pat has a lot of great connections. So asking him for an introduction to somebody or asking other people in the mastermind, Hey, I want to get on more podcasts. Do you know any podcast hosts that you can refer me to so I can get on more podcasts? Um, and then even hiring some of them, you know, like one of them was, was great at Facebook ads. I hired her, um, Monica Louie. She's also in another episode of the Become a Media Maven podcast. Um, episode 33, how to stop wasting money on your Facebook ads. Um, so there's just so much you can get out of it. So don't just look at the person that you're hiring, but look at the people around that person. Can you learn from them too? What's your bigger why? You hear this question a lot, why people do what they do. What motivates you in your business? Okay, I kind of already answered this um, with the Instagram question. Do you guys like my little reminders that tell me what to do? If it's not in the calendar, it's not getting done. So listen, I got something starting in 10 minutes. We got to wrap this up. Um, <laughs> Jessica, I answered this already. Um, cruise control music asked me on Instagram, the bigger why to do what I want when I want to do it. That's pretty much it. What's exciting to you about your industry these days? What are you having the most fun doing with your clients? Okay. I don't know if I would say my industry is exciting or annoying right now. The media industry is changing like crazy and there's so much shady stuff happening and I will defer to an episode um, about the shady stuff, episode 44, the five lies PR agencies and publicists are telling you. Uh, check that out if you want to hear me rant on why the industry is annoying. Um, but I guess um, it is always changing and there are always different opportunities. Like I just started writing, I mean... I've mentioned how I write for Inc. and Fast Company. I just started writing for Boss Babe, which is pretty cool because I want to do more like writing for women and mom-owned businesses um, just because women are not as um, publicized as men are. Forbes came out. I tweeted about this a few months ago. It drove me nuts. It actually made national news that Forbes, somebody, okay, back to the shadiness that happens. Forbes content, a lot of it is paid for and they don't make it so obvious to you. So a company paid for an ad that didn't look like an ad. It looked like a top 100 list for like innovative business leaders. And this company who made the list included 99 men and one woman, one woman, not even women. It was a woman. And out of the top 100, that woman, she was, I think, in the 70s or 80s, and she was the only one who did not have a picture, but her picture was like a black silhouette of a man. And that like blew up. People were going crazy. Like, really? You couldn't think of one woman? 
or more than one woman to be in the top and then you pick one woman, you can't even get a damn picture of her. You have a man's silhouette. So that drove me crazy as it drove a lot of people crazy. Um, And then just statistically, men are quoted way more than women are in the media. So I kind of want to do more with women in business. So that's kind of exciting for me, writing for Boss Babe. Um, The most fun things I'm doing with my clients for me right now, honestly, um, it is SEO research and blogging. So like my side hustle, I call it my side hustle, is Christina All Day. It's my lifestyle blog. And I kind of use it as like a guinea pig for clients. Um, I just try all kinds of different things when it comes to SEO keyword research. Like, okay, I just went from posting twice a month to three times a week. Um, And I have somebody who helps me write that stuff on my website. And like literally in a month, my traffic has doubled. So now when I go to clients, I'm like, hey, I have this thing. I think it works. Let's try it on you. Um, So doing the SEO focused blog posts, like not blogging for the sake of blogging, but doing like strategic SEO keyword research and then implementing it um, is fun for me right now. What is my definition of being an entrepreneur? Well, I'll tell you what it's not. It is not an MLM and nothing against MLMs. I used to sell Unique and their amazing mascara. But what happens when Unique goes out of business? Then I'm out of business. That's not an entrepreneur. That's a job. You're not a business owner. Yes, you have the freedom to make as much money as you want, but somebody else is still telling you how much money you're going to make. Um... So I would say an entrepreneur is somebody who starts their own business that they are in control over, for sure. Tell me more about your thoughts on mindset. I know you're not woo. Yes, girl, you know it. But so many entrepreneurs are. Why aren't you a mindset person? I'd like to hear your perspective. Do you think that gets in the way of a lot of entrepreneurs taking action? Okay. Let me see how to word this. Obviously, mindset is important. I already talked about money mindset. Um, And if you and I didn't know I had a money mindset problem until I read Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Y'all have to I don't care who you are. I don't care what your money mindset is, what you think it is. You have to read Secrets of a Millionaire Mind because it will be a freaking learning experience. I don't believe in manifestation. Um, The way people talk about manifesting things, it's like, oh, just think positively and it will come to you. No, that's bullshit. I believe in thinking positively. I think if you go into something with a bad attitude, then that affects your actions and those actions will affect your results. So I think you need to have a positive attitude. That's your mindset. And then you will have positive action and then you will have positive results. And if the results aren't positive, You look at it in a positive way as a learning experience, and then you move on from there. You learn, you made a mistake, you correct it, and you keep going. Baby steps forward. Um, I think your feelings dictate your actions, which dictate your results. And I think having a positive mindset and a realistic mindset is important. But these people who just talk about manifestation and they don't talk about action... I just think they're full of shit. Like you can't you can't just say wake up and say these same 10 affirmations all day every day and expect amazing things to happen. You actually have to say the affirmation and then work towards it. You have to make steps. You can't sit at home all day and half-ass things and expect amazing things to come. Yes, some people can get lucky. 
every once in a while. If you play the lottery and you win the lottery, that is luck. You can't live your life and try to build a business hoping for luck. You actually have to take strategic action. And that goes back to your first question, Jessica, on hiring a business mentor. So um, I do think mindset does get in the way of entrepreneurs taking action. I think the biggest thing, um, I used to think it was knowing what to do. I don't think that's it anymore because there's an easy way to know what to do. You pay somebody who's already been there, done that. I think the biggest thing that gets in the way of entrepreneurs taking action or even becoming entrepreneurs is they're afraid to take a risk, which I do not understand because most people who are afraid to take a risk are tens of thousands of dollars in debt because they took a risk by going to college and getting a degree. And what does that degree do for you? Like, honest to God, what does that degree, like, unless you're a lawyer or you're a doctor, did you need to spend tens of thousands of dollars to get a degree? Like, how much did it really help you? You are going to be spending the rest of your life paying back college. Like, this is the thing that doesn't make sense to me. You go to college to get a good job. You get the good job so you can spend the rest of your life paying for the college that got you the good job. I just think, and I understand, like, it's 2019. Things do work differently now. There are so many other ways to learn things and grow and make money than go to college and get a degree and get a job. Like, I understand when we were in college 15 years ago, if you're 35 like me, that was the way things were done. Today, it is not necessary. There are so many other ways to learn besides paying a ridiculous amount to go to college and make money. And then nobody even does their research on like, now I'm going off on a tangent, Jessica, I'm sorry. But nobody even does their research on like, who's actually teaching these classes? Like I remember being told I could not teach a broadcast journalism college class because I didn't have a master's. And the person teaching that class never worked a day in broadcast journalism, but they had a master's. Like, People just send you to college to get a degree and they don't ask, well, who's teaching the class? Have they even actually done what they're teaching? And what is the likelihood of getting a job that pays a certain amount after college? I think I just saw a recent study and it was that a college degree doesn't necessarily make you any more money. So I think when it comes to what gets in the way of entrepreneurs taking action, I think they're afraid to take risks. College not being one of them. College is a pretty damn big risk. That's a lot of money to invest in something that you don't know what you're going to get at the end of it. Most of the time, you know you're going to get student loans that you're going to pay for until you're 60. But people still take that risk. So I think what gets in the way is they're afraid to spend money on something without a guarantee, even though they do it for college or they used to do it for college. So I would say you need to be willing to take a risk. Just be educated. Take an educated risk. I think that's what gets in the way. And I do think that's a mindset thing, is taking risks with money. Okay, Jessica, now you have some personal questions. I don't have children, but I hear a lot of women struggle with work-family balance. Do you invite your kids to be part of your business activities? If so, what does that look like, and how do your kids respond to it? Okay, so the side hustle is Christina all day. It's like a family blog. So yes, when Disney invites me places... I'm going to take my kids and they're going to be a part of it. And honestly, they love it. I always ask them, you know, like I also shoot a lot of uh, different stuff for TV 
They've been in um, some segments with me on Lifetime TV. They've done commercials with me. Um, and they like it. I always ask them, do you want to do it? And they'll say, they always say yes. Um, we did something in Orlando as a family. And they said, if your family can't do it, we'll hire a fake family. And I'm like, I don't want to work with a fake family. Like, I want to work with my real family. And they love it. They all love it. My husband, my kids, they all love it. So that's when they become part of my work. Um, the work family balance, I just think that that statement or that phrase is bullshit. Like, balance for me could not be balanced for somebody else. It could be balanced for another person and not, you know, like, I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. I never have. I don't have the patience to be a stay-at-home mom. So when my kids are at daycare or they're at school all day, I need to do something. And I enjoy working. I enjoy making my own money. I enjoy, um, you know, like if I want to go buy something, if I want to go eat something, I don't need to ask anybody's permission. Not that I think any woman should ask anybody's permission as a grown adult how to spend money. That's another topic for another day. Um, but I think it's whatever you define it as. I think my work-life balance is fine. Um, I built a team to help with it. I make my kids part of it. My kids know, my daughter knows if you want to make money and you want to buy things, then you have to work. And that's what I'm doing right now is I'm working. So leave me alone for 15 minutes. I'll come see you after. Like, it's just the way it is. Um, so I don't struggle with work family balance. I never have. Not even when my kids were nine, 10 weeks old in daycare and I was at work. Um, I guess the only time I would say I really struggled with it, and I don't know if I would say I struggled with it or if it was more just an annoyance, but the whole reason I started my business was because um, I had a demanding schedule uh, working in TV. My husband had crazy hours working in the golf business, you know, like holidays, weekends, and early mornings, same thing with TV news. I just needed to make my own schedule because the the daycare schedule wasn't working for me. And when you have kids in grade school and beyond, like they close a lot. <laughs> like this year in Palm Beach County, there are 31 days where the school is closed. That is six weeks if you're counting like work weeks. No boss is going to give you six weeks vacation because your kid is not in school. Like, it's ridiculous how often school is closed. I needed to start my own business. I don't have family here, and I <laughs> I needed to have a flexible schedule for when my kids weren't in school. Um, so I guess that would be the only time, and that was really the reason I started my own business. And then now, that was the reason I started, but now I know there's so many other benefits that I was like, oh, yeah, we got to keep this thing going. Okay. There are a lot of reasons I'm waiting to have a child since I'm putting so much of my energy into the business. What are your thoughts on that, seeing as you have two young children and a third on the way? Uh, If you think like that, Jessica, you're never going to have kids. If you wait till you're ready, then you're never going to have kids. Um, You make your kids part of your life. You don't make your your life part of your kids. I think I said that right. So basically, if you do this every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then even after you have a child, you're still going to do it every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like, I know people who travel for a living. Okay, when they have kids, their kids travel with them. Like, until your kid is actually old enough to be, like, in a structured school setting, then you make them part of your life. I think if you wait until you're quote-unquote ready, you're never going to be ready. Um, And, like, I'm going to keep my third home for, like, the first year, year and a half. 
Um, and I'm still going to be able to do everything I can do. Like, think, like, Jessica, all you need is Wi-Fi. All you need is Wi-Fi. You can take care of a baby anywhere with Wi-Fi. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think people always say they're not ready, but one, you have nine months to prepare to get ready. Because let me tell you, this process is not short. It is long. Um, but you can still put tons of energy into your business while having a child. I mean, there's so many stories of people who have started businesses with kids or babies. I started mine with an infant and a toddler at home and I'm going to have another one. Um, and I'm doing okay. Okay. What's your biggest hobby or passion? I know you love reading. Is that it? Some people love traveling. Some people love food. What is it for you? How do you make time for that in your business? I do like to read. Um, how do I make time for it? I just do again. I do what I want. <laughs> I try to do one nonfiction book and one fiction book every month. Um, is it traveling? No. I have an irrational fear of flying. Is it food? No. I have food neophobia. I'm afraid to try new things. I'm a very picky eater and I eat like a child. Um, honestly, like I like to read and I like to watch trash TV. Like The Real Housewives. No offense, Andy Cohen. It's not trash TV. I think it's amazing. Reality TV. Other people call it trash. Um, and I don't feel guilty about it. It's not a guilty pleasure. It is a pleasure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really have like big hobbies or passions. I know that sounds odd. Maybe I should find one. And I was actually thinking about that the other day. When I was in grade school, I played the violin and I was like, maybe I should take violin lessons. And I like arts and crafts. And I was like, maybe I should take some art classes. So Jessica, get back to me on that because I do want to take some kind of class to get better at something. I was going to start taking a dance class not too long ago, but it was like a 20-minute drive away, and it was like at 8 o'clock at night, and I was like, I will just not have the energy for that. So did not do the dance class. Um, reading's easier because I can sit down, lay in bed, and do that. <laughs> but maybe, maybe I'll take up the violin or some art class or something soon. Okay. You guys, I went way over what I wanted to do. I could have done part three of Ask Me Anything. But those are all of my questions for now. If you want a part three, you let me know. And I will do a part three. Um, I'm going to leave some resources in the show notes. I haven't talked about a lot of stuff being in the show notes um, as it relates to me and what I do. Um, I mentioned it a little bit in this podcast episode, Pitch Publicity Profit. Um, I will leave a link to that in the show notes. It's a free three-day media class. teaches you how to pitch the media to get publicity and then what to do with that publicity to turn it into profit. Um, Thank you for listening. I know this is a longer episode. I had lots of really good questions to get to. Um, You guys rock. Thanks for responding to my emails and my Instagram posts with your questions. I hope that was helpful. And um, I will see you again next week for another episode.